Hotel Tonight makes it easy to book awesome hotels at amazing rates. They're like a matchmaker between top-rated hotels, unsold rooms, and people who want to book those rooms. And Hotel Tonight isn't just for last-minute bookings. You can book for tonight, tomorrow, and beyond. So it's perfect for planners, procrastinators, and truly everyone in between. Find sweet deals at cool hotels you'll actually want to stay at. So go to hoteltonight.com or download the app now. In order to support this show, we'll need the help of some great advertisers. And in order to find great advertisers, we'll need to learn a little bit more about you, the listener. So please go to podsurvey.com slash bachelor and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you a little bit better. That way we can show advertisers just how great you are, the listener. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can choose to enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Shout out Jeff Bezos. Terms and conditions apply. So please go to podsurvey.com slash bachelor. That's P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y dot com slash bachelor. Thanks for your help. And now let's batch. Welcome to Bachelor Party. I'm Juliette Littman. I said let's batch, but actually we're not talking about The Bachelor. I want to talk about Dating Around on Netflix, which is my current obsession. It is a six episode, like 25 minute-ish show about six real live people living in New York who go on five dates and then they have to choose one of those five for a second date. It's a really simple premise and that's why the show is amazing. It's it is just gripping and thralling television, and that's because it's really well made. It looks different. It looks more like verite or like a cool documentary or something like that. It's edited in a really unique way where you feel like you're on the dates with this primary dater. And it just has a really different feel. It's real people just looking for a connection. They're not looking to get married. They're not looking to have their walls fall down. They might not be going on a journey, but they are looking for a really good date. And it's super, super compelling. I'm raving about it because I truly love it. I, I'm upset that only six episodes. So the next best thing I could do is talk to one of the creators. So we have on the line executive producer Chris Colvener. Let's get to it. I'm so thrilled to have the executive producer of my new favorite dating show, other than The Bachelor, of course, Dating Around, Mr. Chris Colvener. Hi, Chris. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. We're talking to you live from Sydney, Australia. My pleasure. <laughs> um, so I am a huge fan of, of dating around. I was I was really excited to like talk to literally anyone about it. And so I can't even exp- express how happy I am to be talking to you about it. So thank you for taking the time. <laughs> it's one of my favorite subjects at the moment, too. So uh, more than happy to chat through it. Um, I have a lot of questions I want to ask, and the first one is extremely pressing. Why does the of course. why does the dater have to wear the same outfit on every date? Um, I think well, that was really about um, the editing of the show. So we wanted them to kind of cut seamlessly together um, to kind of create that sort of dreamscape scenario that you see in the show. So um, we tried to be very hands off um, in terms of the producing of the show. But that was one kind of creative call that we made. Um, so it, it really flowed from one data to the next. So uh, there was obviously a big dry cleaning bill at the end of it. But uh, <laughs> I feel like it was a, a creative decision that we um, was worth making. And so, um, um, so, so many things you just said are really intriguing to me. And so what was like the original concept of the show? And, and how, 
And did it change at all, like once you started filming and then got into editing afterwards? Um, I think the the creative uh, of the show didn't change dramatically throughout the the production of it. When we came up with a concept, what we wanted to do is take a, a realistic looking snapshot of what dating was like in in 2019. So when we looked at how people dated and how dating apps and social media had, had changed that, what we really came down to was was that there's such an amount of choice available to people now. Um, you know, if you wanted to, you could have a date every single night of the week and it kind of turns into this kind of cacophony or kaleidoscope of faces, places, personalities. I um, mean, it's that sort of overwhelming um, option of choice that we really wanted to explore in dating around. Um, so right from the outset, it was always, you know, one person going on multiple dates. It was always designed to, you know, jump between the various daters and kind of have them almost play out concurrently. I think the thing that we we pleasantly learned um, as we got into it was as we cast a whole different variety of people, whether that be you know, gay, straight, older, younger, what we found were two things. We found that there are some universal elements that everyone shares when they're dating. And then there was all these nuances that, you know, different people from different walks of life date in different ways. So that was a kind of a lucky discovery that, of course, you look back now and it seems obvious. But I think, you know, the, the having the variety of casts allowed us to really explore the way different people date. And that was a, a huge um, a huge learning as we went into the production of it. That's that's really interesting. And so part of what makes the show so unique and one of the reasons I love it is the actual you you feel like there's a like you're on a mer- like a dating merry-go-round like a dating carousel and mm-hmm. and there's a real sense of like the of circular motion without it being repetitive but just to the, to get to the title dating around like you feel like you're going around and around which is which is kind of what dating is like when you're trying to find the right person was that um concept something that you also had already thought of before filming or did that come out of the editing afterwards? Absolutely. And in fact, the, the title that we pitched the show with was called Kaleidoscope. Oh. Um, because it was about a kaleidoscope of dating. It was the idea that, you know, when, when you are dating and particularly in dating in a city like New York, like you say, it, it kind of turns into this, this um, you know, almost kaleidoscope or carousel of faces, places and experiences and that's what we wanted to capture. This, you know, The Bachelor obviously captures, you know, that sort of fantasy element, the idea sure. of finding the one, it ending with a proposal. That's done very well by them. But what we wanted to do was capture more the experience, the journey um, of what it's like to, to really go on, on these kind of this, this dating carousel. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It really did feel that way. And it was it was so cool. Like it, it made the show feel so vibrant and like a like vital almost. It was I, I really loved it. Um, over how long? Thank you. Yeah, of course. Uh, over how long of a period of days or weeks does like each set of five dates occur? So effectively, it was a day and night. So um, what we did is we we had um, that same kind of lead data or hero data go on those five dates in the, in the same location, um, you know, obviously wearing the same clothes. And then it was, you know, a new person each night. So obviously it was exhausting process for the, for the lead. Um, but it was, it was a really interesting, um, really interesting to be producing it and sort of be behind the scene and watching that take place. Because one of the things that 
became really apparent to me and actually made me think about or question how I dated is everyone has a sort of a brand and identity that they bring to a first date. Yeah. They tell the same jokes. They they kind of introduce themselves the same way. They they order the same things. And when you see someone go on five consecutive dates over five nights, you really kind of get to see the rhythm of, of our lead daters. And, <laughs> and, you know, frankly, what, what, what makes them laugh, what makes them cringe. Um, and you could kind of start to really play along. And that's what when we, when we knew we had something was when the entire crew and the producers were all starting to play along about who they thought the, uh, the lead data was going to connect with. Oh, interesting. How often was the crew correct in who they would choose? Because I think that I was wrong, like, I think I got like three out of six correct, so like half of them, but it was kind of hard to tell. And, and the, the leads were, were surprising. Uh, you know what? I think that's, that that fifty percent was a probably about my strike rate too, even being on the production. Sure. Um, and I think that that's what like life is like when you're dating, isn't it? It's like you can you can think a date went so well, yeah, and then not get a call back, or you can kind of think a date went badly, and then the the other person's absolutely into you. And I think that kind of goes to the fact that we didn't do interviews, we didn't do those sort of talking head insights about how people are feeling. So just like, to some extent, the, the audience is always guessing about what our lead data is thinking, we were too. So there were times that, you know, I would watch a date play out, you know, looking at the monitors, and I'd be sure that there was a connection. And then we'd find out that, really, there wasn't. It was just someone being polite or someone laughing at a joke. And, and that's how I think life is like. And I actually think that's part of the charm of the show is you're not handheld through the decision-making process, it's, it's kind of plays out very realistically. So yeah. there, there are even times when, you know, I was sort of surprised and, um, you know, uh, kind of taken aback by who was selected. But, you know, ultimately it was up to that person and, and going with their authentic choice. So, uh, yeah, it, I think 50% is probably <laughs> a pretty, uh, pretty good strike rate. Who surprised you the most? Um, I think... Honestly, I think Sarah, mm. um, I, I, I just thought she was going to pick Nick the whole time. Um, and I think that's one of those, those scenarios where they seem to really click on the night. But, you know, when, when the sun rose the next day, I think she found, like, Matt was really the person who kind of, you know, long-term she could see, see herself with. So I think, you know, once again, it sort of mirrors life. Some some people, you know, you can have the most amazing night with, but it might not be more than that. Uh, and other people, the spark might not be as sort of, I guess, burning brightly straight away, but, you know, they can grow on you. So Sarah's, Sarah's date was probably the most surprising. What was yours? Um, I actually, there was a really small moment with Sarah, and his name was Matt, right, who she chose. Um there was a really small moment where they sat down at dinner um, after moving from the, like when he walked in that I was like, Oh, she's really into mm-hmm. that guy. They like, there was like a small moment. I forget what it is, but they really connected. And I was like, Oh, that, that seems like a good match. And they kind of were like both a little um, like odd in complimentary ways, which I, I so I wasn't surprised by that. Yep. I think I was maybe 
I think in in some ways Lex, I was just sort of like, I, he was so open and like, he seemed like a really like generous person to be on a date with and also like easy to talk to that I, I had no, no real feel for who he was going to pick. I, it could have, it could have mm-hmm. been like any of those guys. So that one was surprising to me. And then maybe it's just because I'm a woman and I don't really understand man, men. I was like, I really didn't know who Leonard was going to go with either. And I, Leonard, what's the feedback been on Leonard? You know what? Um, Leonard is my favorite Me episode. Me too. Hands down. He's um, hands down my favorite <laughs> and I, and I, episode. And, and, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think what's great about Leonard is, and and you ask the feedback. The feedback has sort of been universally positive about Leonard. I think one of the things, and this was sort of what I was talking about earlier, is you, you know you see how different people date, and particularly older people, they really cut the bullshit. Yeah. They just get straight to how they're feeling. They're, they're sort of honest in the funny, funniest, most brutal ways sometimes. And so that was just really enlightening to, to watch someone who, you know, had, had, had the age and experience of Leonard and just they kind of get to what they want. They put less of a kind of a show or a mask up. And so it, that was really refreshing to watch. I think, yeah, I, I mean, Eileen is, is so lovable and they seem to click really well. But, I, you know, that was one that being on set I could the way that Leonard's eyes lit up mm. with Diana, mm. and so I, I, I picked that one. Oh, interesting! Um, but Leonard is, was 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 like what you see is what you get. He was exactly the same off screen as he was on screen. Just this sort of delightful, you know, honest, authentic person. Um, so yeah, it was that was one of the first ones we shot, and um, oh, and, you know, you're hearing conversations about you know everything from. Um, you know, past careers, past loves. Um, you're hearing about, obviously, kids, what it's like to go through divorces, all these sort of things that just aren't aren't in play when you're dating when you're, you're yeah. 20 or, or even, you know, 30. So it was just a really refreshing um, to, to produce something that didn't feel like it had been seen a lot on screen. Oh, not at all. And also, like, Leonard was so surprising. I mean, the LSD conversation, just amazing. See, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I really love that. And, you know, I um, I'm all, I grew up in New York City. My family still lives there. I spend quite a bit of time there still. And my parents went to Woodstock and now they're lawyers. So I was like, oh, this is a really familiar type. But it's so funny to like see it as a reality TV person and not like your own parents or whatever. Because who thinks about their parents like as like young people dating or whatever. So I, I really loved that one. And something that like I, I frequently think about with The Bachelor is... In some ways, the show is really boxed in by insisting on casting men and women who are like 23 to 27 because you just like at that age, you think you know so much, but you you really don't. And you also like you don't yet have the confidence to be like, this is who I am and this is and and that's who I will present on a first date. And that's what was like so amazing about the five women in particular that Leonard went on dates with is like they were so confident in who they were and there was no apology for it. Mm-hmm. And and that is the opposite of, of a show like The Bachelor, where though no one ever said I'm sorry, but there's kind of like a tacit like I'm sorry about like this past that I'm going to tell you over really dramatic music. It's just a completely different approach to a date. And so it was like, it was so riveting. I, I love Leonard and I'm also dying to know, <laughs> dying to know who purchased his 1900 yeah. square foot apartment in New York city, because that that's amazing. And Nolita, I mean, that's rare. <laughs> I, I think he's still there. I oh. think, I think it's, it's on the market to, to the bidder who, who's going to uh, you know, offer what, that that sort of high amount that he has in mind, but 
he he seems so comfortable in his own skin, and I think so so did the women. And I think that you hit the nail on the head. It's just sort of knowing who you are, presenting who you are unashamedly. And and you know the the hard thing is when you when you're on a show like The Bachelor, you are you are you're you know um, you're competing in in ways that you might you obviously don't compete in real life. Yeah. And of course, our show is is ultimately a choice out of five people, but it's a second date, right? Yeah. The stakes are lower, um, and it's taking place in in the real world. So yeah, it was obviously a very different um, you know playing ground and situation. Totally. To your to your point, the stakes are lower. None of the five couple or none of the six couples, excuse me, are still together. Are are you guys disappointed about that, or is it kind of does not matter? I think you know right from the start we didn't want to um, bullshit the audience, right? So that was that we, we we tried to do that in a lot of ways. We tried to do that by you know setting the the daters up with authentic people who would you know arguably be in their real dating pool. We wanted to play the dates out as naturally and authentically as possible. And, you know, just like the, you know, ha- how we discuss about what happened and the second date and what, what happened thereafter, you know, we don't want to BS the audience either. And, and the truth is, is like, you look at da- the dating world, it's such a weird scenario, isn't it? It's like, you, you date someone, it's like, this is either going to end in me ending up with this person, maybe marriage, or it's going to end, like, it's going to end, you know, Somehow, you know, either it's going to fizzle out or we're going to date for a bit and break up. So, you know, 99% of dates people go on, unfortunately, end in, you know, in not, not the wedding bell. Yeah. So I think to try and force it or to fool the audience would be inauthentic and, and, fr- and frankly, fight what we wanted to achieve. This, this show ultimately is, as I said, about the experience of the dating, uh, going on dates and, and what that sort of feeling is like and what you know bringing it back to the initial title like what is what that kind of weird kaleidoscope is like so there wasn't we weren't disappointed like there's there's certainly still connections that live on past the show um there's friendships um and and all that sort of thing so uh it's certainly um something we didn't want to um bs the audience on interesting yeah i mean it it's just like a as a viewer, I, I kind of like don't think it matters because, like you said, it's it's trying to like be an authentic look about about dating. I'm sure you're getting asked quite a bit about Gerky and Justin, and so what was it like mm-hmm. watching that date in real time and and seeing him kind of erupt? You know, it's funny. Someone asked me, "Did you want? Did you need to step in and help Gerky?" And <laughs> oh, she didn't need know, help. What, how, how did how did the production deal with that? The truth is, she's such a smart, articulate woman that she handled herself just fine. Mm. Um, and so I think that was just a great example. <laughs> like, it was really just what what you saw was what you got. It was just a bad date where people were on two very different wavelengths. So, um, you know, Justin is a certain sort of guy. Gerky's a certain sort of woman. And, like, right, I think the feeling on set was right from the outset, you could tell it was like, you know, it was two trains sort of coming at each other and, you know, it started out very pleasant. It started out polite, but if you watch that episode back and it played out exactly as it did on the night, they just on so many topics and in so many conversations just weren't meeting and weren't connecting. Um, and I think that's something that frankly a, a really good looking, charming guy like Justin isn't used to in yeah. life. I think, you know, he, he, it, 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 it was something that probably, you know, felt foreign to him and made him uncomfortable. 
Um, so I think that was part of the, the reason why it came to such a head. Um, you know, ultimately, in full honesty, like we didn't put those two together thinking that that was going to happen. Right. But it just happened naturally. And, and was it was just what it was great was it just illustrated what 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 a, what a bad day really is like. And um, and, and the thing I, I love about that scene and I love that about that moment is it, it, it obviously was a dramatic uh, reality show-esque moment, but it, it wasn't like champagne in the face. It didn't feel like, you know, someone was turning over a table. It didn't feel staged. It felt exactly what it was, very natural. And, you know, the, if you watch that episode back, the seeds of that argument is planted literally, at the, you know, at the, at earlier in the discussion when they first sit down. It just took the, the night for it to unravel the way that it did. Right. And in that kind of situation, at the end of the date, which obviously, you know, doesn't go well, what's her interaction like with producers? Like, because I, obviously there's no interviews, so it's kind of less of a close relationship between a producer and the contestant. But like, does she speak to someone from production or does she just kind of like end the night and go home? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we had a great relationship with with all the cast, but particularly those lead daters. And and part of getting them to, you know, be as generous as they were in terms of letting us in and looking at how they date was was trust. So of course we we built those relationships with with the lead um, daters. We kind of obviously we're making sure at all times that they felt comfortable, that they felt as literally as, as natural as you can feel when you've got you know cameras pointed at you. So if there was a bit of debriefing going on, um, but at the end of the day. Gherky, as I said, is like a strong, smart, independent woman. And, you know, she she kind of has dealt with shitty stuff happening to her in the past. And it, it, I don't think, while she was shaken, I don't think it was something that was particularly sh- shocked her to her core yeah. in, in, in a way. So it was, a, it was a matter of like making, checking in, making sure she was fine. But, you know, it was, a, it was also a case of, all right, who am I dating tomorrow? <laughs> you know, so it, it was, uh, you know... A, it was a, all part of the experience for them, um, the good, the bad, the ugly. At what point of her five was, was Justin? Was, like, was he third? Was he fourth? I, I, honestly, we, we shot a while ago. So I no, when did you film it? Last, it was, was it summer 18 or summer uh, it 17? June. It was June. June. Got it. Uh, last year. Got it. Um, so I, I believe it, he was around the third date, uh, but I'm not 100%. Got it. We'll talk more about dating around with Chris, but first, let's talk about today's sponsors. You can own iconic luxury items at unreal values with the real real, the leading reseller of authenticated luxury from top designers. Shop from designers like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Rolex, Cartier, and hundreds more at up to 90% off retail. New arrivals come in daily, and every single item is authenticated by the Real Real's team of experts. In fact, the Real Real employs over 100 brand authenticators, gemologists, horologists, and art curators from around the globe who inspect thousands of items each day to ensure that every item is 100% authentic. It's like your very own Thomas Crown affair or something like that, or like Ocean's 12. Shop and consign women's and men's luxury fashion as well as fine jewelry, watches, art, and home goods. You can shop online or visit one of their stores in Soho in New York or West Hollywood here in LA or visit one of their luxury consignment offices in Chicago, Dallas, Miami, San Francisco, and Washington, D.C. 
new customers receive an automatic $25 off at checkout. You can shop in store online or download the app and get 20% off selected items with the promo code REAL. That's R-E-A-L. And it's therealreal.com with the promo code REAL for 20% off selected items. Brilliant Earth is the global leader in ethically sourced fine jewelry and the destination for creating your own custom engagement ring. Simply go to BrilliantEarth.com and pick from a variety of ethically sourced diamonds, gemstones, metal types, and settings. Then, create your own custom ring or pick from any of their exclusive, unique jewelry designs. All their jewelry is made from exceptional quality and craftsmanship. And they also offer wedding rings, vintage rings, earrings, bracelets, and necklaces. Best of all, since Brilliant Earth is passionate about cultivating a more sustainable jewelry industry, they go above and beyond the industry standard by offering beyond conflict-free diamonds along with fine jewelry crafted from recycled precious metals. And since outstanding service is the hallmark of the Brilliant Earth experience, they offer free shipping and returns on all U.S., U.K., and Canadian orders. And now, with your Wells Fargo Jewelry Advantage credit card, you can enjoy no interest if paid in full within 12 months subject to credit approval. See the website for terms and conditions. And for the 12-month financing offer and to shop all Brilliant Earth selections, just go to brilliantearth.com slash bachelor. It was very firmly a New York show, which I loved. I was in New York last week when I watched all of it, and it was like a very fun experience. Did you intend to make a New York show? Um... Right from the outset, it was pitched as being set in New York. Mm. Um, and, you know, there were a number of reasons for that. You know, I think there's no um, coincidence that so many rom-coms take place in New York. It's a, it's almost a city that, you know, universally is seen as this, um, you know, this place where dreams are made. And that can be dreams where you, of your career. It can be dreams of, um, of finding love. And ultimately, um, you know, even as, as a kid growing up in, in Sydney, Australia, like I, New York felt familiar to me because I'd seen it on Friends, I'd seen it on Seinfeld. Um, so, you know, particularly making a show for a global audience like Netflix, it felt, felt like the obvious place for a first season. Um, the other thing that New York obviously brings is like this amazing wealth of characters for casting. Right. So there's so many transplants in New York from all walks of life from all across the country that, you know, it, we were spoiled for choice when it came to selecting our cast. So I think it feels distinctly in New York, not only because of the, um, the, the scenery and the backdrops, but also the sorts of people that you, we, we got as well. So, you know, I think we loved exploring New York. I think in future seasons, we'd also love to, to explore how people date all around the world. I'd love to see how a date goes down in Tokyo or a date goes down, you know, in London or a date, um, goes down in Madrid. Sure. Um, and I think that's that's something that would be really, really interesting. Sure. I hadn't thought about it in the vein of like a romantic comedy, but that makes perfect sense. Like that, that is really poignant. And, and a lot of like the kind of Nora Ephron style um, romantic comedies, particularly like When Harry Met Sally and some of her earlier movies that she wrote, like um, This Is Your Life and and all of the like really heavily New York ones, it, it has a real kind of like consonance to it that, that, that's a really like interesting way of thinking about it. I uh, I hadn't thought of it, but I'm a huge rom com fan, so that's a great point. Um, how did you find? There all- you go. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you're a Nora Ephron fan, but you know she's the she's the goat of the rom com world. How did you find 
all these contestants, both like the the people who went on the dates and the lead daters. Like, what and and how was the pitch to them different than maybe a more traditional dating show? Um, yeah, great question. So um, we worked with a casting company um, based in New York, and that was really important to us. That it was a it was a company that um, was staffed by New Yorkers, um, and just like our show, um, our show's cast, the people who worked for that casting company were from all walks of life um, and all backgrounds. So um, that was great because they knew to look for the, the right people um, in the right places. The you know, And it was a four-month process, so we took our time. We wanted to get the cast right. And it was going to, you know, going to bars, to offices, to sporting events. It was, it was really a kind of an all-out um, street casting process. And what we weren't looking for were people who wanted to be on reality shows. So it was one of those things, the, the people who were so desperate to be on our show, to be famous or for notoriety, we really wanted to avoid because they're, they're the sorts of people who, you know, we, we didn't want to kind of, um, you know, showcase. So ultimately the sell to the cast was you, you date authentically. It, it is, you know, a maddening, crazy mixed up world and we want to capture that authentically. So let us into your world. Um, they knew that it was only five nights. It wasn't, you know, three months of their life. They knew that it wasn't a show that was going to be nasty or um, scandalous for scandalous sake. And it was really about kind of building that trust with the, the lead daters and, and making sure that they felt comfortable. And I, that, that was really key for us is, you know, we wanted them to be as natural on a first date as they would, you know, without the cameras there. And it's interesting when you look at back at the date, the first parts of each episode are stilted and feel nervy, but that's what first dates are yeah. like. They're stilted and nervy. Uh, and it was really interesting when we started cutting the episode, we started kind of trying to pull that stuff out to get the, the kind of the good stuff quickly. But as soon as we did that, it felt really inauthentic because, Everyone knows what the beginning of a first date is like. It's excruciating, sure. even if it's, you are into the person. So we left a lot of that stuff in. Um, so yeah, it was uh, to answer your question. I'm rambling a bit, but no, it was just about kind of being honest with with the, the cast and 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 letting them know what they were in for. How did you like vet everyone, or how did the casting company vet everyone? Because that's a really big challenge in 2019. Like looking at their social media or like knowing about their background. I mean, it, it's comes up a lot with reality shows of like, how could they not have known about this? So was it a, and I know that you've worked in reality TV for a while. Was it like a more rigorous process than previously? Um, you know what, uh, to be honest, most reality shows that I work on now are fairly rigorous of, about background. Mm. Um, you know, we've seen time and time again, how social media can, can sneak up and bite you from comments that are posted way, way back in someone's past. Yeah. So it was all of that. There, there, there's kind of fairly, fairly rigorous processes now in place that look at not only the criminal background, but also someone's social media behavior and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, the, the first and foremost, we want safety to be of these people to be key. You know, we're setting these people up on dates that, you know, they, they're going to see each other without the cameras and potentially continue on relationships. So we wanted to make sure that the people who were throwing in the mix were all, you know, nice, <laughs> safe people who all checked out. So it was a, it was a rigorous um, 
background kind of search. And that, that is, from my experience, um, power on all shows. It's something that's really important to networks and platforms, you know, in 2019. Yeah, yeah. And you, you just made the distinction between a network and a platform. Was this your first time creating a show for, for a streaming network? Um, we, so it's our second one. So we, um, we recently did a show, a show for Facebook, oh. which was all about, um, cars and, uh, car, car kind of dealers, dealers in Montana. So a very, very different subject. Um, but you know, so we had the experience of, um, creating a show that wasn't for that, the traditional broadcast networks or cable networks, um, that came out, um, late last year. And it was a really, really interesting experience speaking to the Facebook community, um, and this was, you know, a pleasure to work with Netflix, particularly doing their first ever original dating show. Um, I think the thing that, it, you know, from exciting from a producer standpoint is being able to, you know, push the boundaries on on what, you know, is, is traditionally done in these genres. And that's something that, you know, with our, with our show for Facebook, we try to do, and we certainly try to do with Dating Around. Yeah, yeah, because it, it just seems like you don't have to, well, you know, Netflix takes so many chances, which is which is one of the reasons it's such a cool company and they just have so much content. Is there like a, one principle that you don't have to consider when you're doing something for a streaming platform versus a traditional broadcast network? Like, is the calculus particularly different? Um, you know, there are a few differences. I think one of the things that, um, I'm just thinking about it, but one of the things that we probably subconsciously did is we thought about how people would watch this show um, in a binging environment. So, you know, when you're making a show for a broadcast network or a cable network, often you're thinking about breaks, right. and cliffhangers, and, and how to get people through that 60 or 90-minute episode. Um, and what that, that really dictates the pace and the rhythm of, of the show that you create. So, you know, uh, you, you obviously want to go out to a break with something shocking. You want to pull them back with a recap. You want to crescendo to a point and get them in to watch next week. So with something like on Netflix, obviously it's someone sitting down, they're going to watch one, maybe two, maybe three. Um, We're not going to add. So you're not trying to pull them through uh, advertising breaks. Um, They're not having to be the traditional 60 commercial, uh, 60 minute um, length. So you can play with the the length a little bit more and, and, and produce a show that just feels right in length. And then, you know, you start to think of them really as how they tie together in that binging environment. So dating around is an interesting one. It actually takes a little while to get into, I think. And then once you kind of get into it, you start to understand the rhythm of, of how the show works. And once you understand that rhythm, so once you get through Luke's episode, then we can start to have more fun with it. So, you know, obviously Gerke's episode ends in a, in a more interesting way. Leonard's episode is is one that you haven't seen before. We haven't seen a lot of um, of, of gay of gay daters and no. dating shows before. So it's almost like you can start to imagine what it's like for that Netflix viewer to sit down, pour themselves a glass of wine, and sort of dive into it as a, bin, a binging uh, experience. It's interesting that you bring up Luke because I thought that episode. I think when you first start watching, you're like, "Wait, what am I watching? What is this show?" Because it just it obviously visually looks so different. In many ways, reality TV has like a pretty like set look on broadcast, at least in the in the states, like a pretty like on broadcast reality mm-hmm. shows all look very similar. 
Um, and this looks much more like Verite. It's, it feels very different. And so I think that like kind of catches a viewer, at least for me, off guard. But then the funny thing is like everything yep. is is so new and it's like a really like a breath of fresh air in, in the genre. But everyone knows a Luke. And I was thinking about why you picked him for the first episode. And I have a couple of theories. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about how you... I'd love to hear them. Yeah, well, um, some of them are not that kind, but uh, I'm, curi- <laughs> I'm curious how you... Because you mentioned that Leonard was one of the first ones you did, but he's episode four. So I'm just curious how you landed on the sequencing and how Luke ended up going first. Yeah, well, listen, it was the sequencing was something we debated a lot about. Um, and there's... I think with Luke, one of the reasons we loved, we liked the idea of putting him first is he, his episode sets the, sets the format um, very clearly in the audience's mind. So the outcome of Luke's, the, the guessing game within Luke's is very clear and very obvious to follow. Um, so for instance, I don't want to kind of spoil it too much, but, some, someone like Gerky, obviously the, the ending isn't a traditional ending. So had we put that first, all of a sudden the audience is like, wait, wait, what? That, that's ha- that how it ends? But once you set the rules, you're able to break them. Right. Um, so that was really the, the thinking. Then also, um, you know, we, we, you know we, we came to a, a kind of a rhythm where there was like you know the the the, the mix of um, boys and girls were kind of evenly spaced. There wasn't like it wasn't weighted on one side of the series or not. Um, and to be honest, it, it starts to get a, a bit of a gut check thing. You start to kind of imagine just sitting there with your glass of wine with your friends and and it going from one episode to an, the other. And and the thing that we always try to do with this show um, in in every decision we made was always to try and surprise the audience. Sure. And that's what putting Luke first allowed us to do is you kind of turn on dating around and go, okay, like, yep, the, the, the rules seem to be different. The way it's shot seemed to be different, but you know, I've seen Luke before on other dating shows. So, you know, you kind of are dropping a few surprises. Then episode two is surprising in its own ways. Episode three with Lex is surprising. It's other, you get to episode four and you're seeing, you know, an, an older man start dating. So it was all about the how we kind of dished out those surprises and those reveals. Sure. Yeah, that, that's kind of what, that's sort of what was my impression with Luke, which is that it was kind of the least trans, transgressive episode. And so the it kind of allowed the concept of the show and also the women he was dating to shine. And he kind of was almost like a, yep. in my opinion, like a, a great vehicle for expressing what the show is about without being distracted by who this guy is. And which is kind of a mean thing to say, but it served the show very well. Yeah. I feel like if we put Leonard first, which we were considering for a while, it people may have turned on and gone, Oh, this is an old person's dating show, which listen, we wanted to obviously show all backgrounds, but we didn't want to kind of throw the audience that much that early. Um, and to your point, it was about getting the audience comfortable with the new rules or the new structure of our show, um, and then kind of holding them their hand through, you know, all the different um, different varieties of people that we were going to explore. And I really do think everyone knows a Luke, which is like a genial guy who <laughs> mo- moves to New York for like five years in his twenties, 
is like looking for a, a nice woman to date and like, you know, works in real estate or works in sales or like works at a bank or something like that. And I, I just feel like he's such a he's such a familiar type, which isn't to say he's familiar on reality mm-hmm. TV, but like in, in real life, he's familiar. And so I, I thought that was kind yeah, of absolutely. that worked. And and I, I really uh, it was just interesting. I and, and then, you know, by the end, I, I personally don't read like the synopses of episodes. I just kind of like let them go. And so it was cool to be surprised like because mm-hmm. once you once you get through half of them, when you go from Luke to Gerky and then Lex, you're like, oh, this is a really wide array of people. And then the final three, like also delivered, you're like, oh, Leonard, a 70 year old. I haven't seen a septuagenarian dating on TV. That's amazing. And then I loved Mila's date. I think Mila seems like the most agreeable person on this entire show. She got along with everyone. She, I mean, she, she, yeah, she's a, she's like a, a truly gorgeous person. Yeah. She was um, amazing. And you know, it was, she was, she was a perfect person to, Frankly, and everyone's binging experience, feeling warm and fuzzy. Totally, uh, because obviously it's because she's she's such a you know a great person to kind of ride shotgun on her dates with, but also she it's such a beautiful ending too. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I've, I've one like small question, which is were were the other mm-hmm. people in the restaurants and bars like aware of what was happening? Do they have to sign a release? Like I'm sure they had to sign a release, but like what was their level of knowledge of of what was going on around them? So. The, um, effectively, we took over the restaurant uh, for the time of filming. Mm. So those people were aware that they were they were you know um, you know complete they were in on the production of sorts. So um, they were dining, you know, chatting, all the things you know was were, were going on authentically. But they were they were fully aware of Got it. the um, the show go, taking place. So. It would have been, I don't think we would have been able to produce it had we just said, okay, let, we're going to take over this table in a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, of course. The lighting set up alone. Right, you need a clearance. The meant that we, we really had to own the space. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. That makes sense. I was just curious because I was like, because it is cool, particularly in Luke's episode, I think maybe because of the way the space was set up and, and the different shots that you got, it was clear like, mm-hmm. that there were other people around and I just, I was curious about it. Um, I just, lastly wanted to ask there's I, i've noticed on netflix recently there's a whole bunch of new reality or unscripted programming from australia on the service is there something <laughs> yep. so, something specific to australian unscripted tv that like ma- that makes it a good match for for um netflix itself and i obviously you know i i know that you've worked on american productions too and 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 split time between la and sydney now but i just curious like if you had insight into that because i i'm like a big reality tv fan and i was like god i really got to get on board with all these australian shows they're they're coming to netflix <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you've got to, you've got to uh, make your way down to australia and spend a bit of time um, so, um soaking it all in i really want to go to um byron bay I saw, I saw, I've oh, seen. Byron Bay is the best. I'll tell you what, we'll, I'll, I'll convince Netflix to let us shoot <laughs> okay. uh, season two of Dating Around down there. And you can, you can come join, join us. But the, so the, the reason why reality TV shows um, from Australia kind of uh, punch above their weight and, um, and go around the world is uh, reality TV in Australia dominates the TV landscape. And that's largely just to, to, due, to, due to the fact that Scripted TV is really expensive to produce. Um, it's done so well in the US that um, you know drama or scripted stuff in Australia doesn't work as well or isn't as prevalent. So what that means is prime time in Australia across all major networks, it's reality, reality, reality. So something like a MasterChef runs five nights a week uh, prime time in Australia, if you believe it. And wow. what that, that means is 
there's a whole bunch of producers in Australia who, you know, for the, the last 20 years of their careers have been just focused on reality shows. So um, my business partner, Paul, and I, who are both Australian, we now primarily live in, in the U.S., but what, what we kind of came from is a background where reality TV is king. And so plugging ourselves into the U.S. marketplace is obviously what we focused on and what we, we, we love to do. So um, it, it's no surprise that these kind of these reality shows that are, are, are so popular in Australia are starting to make their way internationally on those platforms. The other thing is, um, you know, having lived in both Australia and, and the U.S., is the, the cultures are very, very similar. Right. Um, the sensibilities are really, really similar. Um, what, you know, I grew up watching U.S. television. Um, you know, the, I feel like, you know, the, the, just the, the sense of humor, you know, translates. Um, the conversation obviously translates. Language does. So... It's a really interesting, easy fit between those two places. Interesting. And there's Love Island in Australia, right? Yep. Love Island's on in Australia. The Bachelor's on in Australia. Cause lo- um, oh, yeah. The Bachelor, know, the Bachelor it, it, Australia is famous because two of the women contestants ended up dating each other. So it's like a big, a big deal in the oh, Bachelor really? Nation. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> a very big <laughs> I'll, deal. I'll have, yeah. <laughs> yeah wow your um, bachelor knowledge crosses borders i'm impressed I, I i try you know and and love island is like it's also <laughs> coming for america the uk love island was on hulu and i have a feeling that the australian love island will catch on too because people who are like reality tv junkies really love it that was another one when i was like oh this is also this will be a crossover as well well that that's an interesting one love island because it almost um parodies the genre itself right um if you kind of watch the uk version or the australian version it's 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 quite self-deprecating it it's almost um self-effacing um and it makes it makes fun of all the reality show tropes right i know and then it's totally addictive and then that and then in the uk that's very addictive yeah. The, yeah and then the tabloids cover the the people who are on it so they become famous and and all that so it's a whole it's a whole ecosystem um f- final question have you? Will there be a season two of Dating Around? Uh, too early to say. Okay. Um, I think it's safe to say that the reception that we have received, um, we were overwhelmed by and surprised by. Um, Netflix are really, really pleased as as are we. So we would love, love, love to make more of them. And um, I think there are certainly more stories to tell, uh, more data's out there. Um, so. Uh, fingers crossed we get to do it again. My fingers are double crossed because I, I really hope there's more. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for taking the time today. It was really great to chat with you. And if you have not watched Dating Around yet, I don't know what you're doing. Run to Netflix right now. Um, thanks again, Chris. Have a great afternoon in Australia. You too. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks, the end to Chris for calling in. Thank you for listening. And of course, thank you to Hotel Tonight. They make it easy to book awesome hotels at amazing rates. They're like a matchmaker between top rated hotels, unsold rooms, and people who want to book those rooms. 
And Hotel Tonight isn't just for last-minute bookings. You can book for tonight, tomorrow, and beyond. It's perfect for planners, procrastinators, and everyone in between. You can find sweet deals at cool hotels you'll actually want to stay at. Go to hoteltonight.com or download the app now. Also, thank you to The Real Real. Own iconic luxury items at unreal values with The Real Real, the leading reseller of authenticated luxury from top designers at up to 90% off. Every item is authenticated by The Real Real's team of experts and new arrivals come in daily. New customers receive an automatic $25 off at checkout. Shop in-store, online, or download the app and get 20% off select items with the promo code REAL. That's therealreal.com with the promo code REAL, R-E-A-L.